0: Hello, my name is Nathaniel, and I will be doing the Bible reading tonight. It comes from Genesis 41, verse 39 to 43. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride a chariot and his second in command, and people shouted, Before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt.
1: This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Nathaniel. Awesome. Hello, everybody. I'm Trace. Lovely to be with you this evening. One of the pastors here. Um, Before I start, i just have an announcement. If you haven't had your photo taken for our church directory, tonight's the night. Yay! After the service, that's going to happen up on this side here. So unless your photo is in the church directory, you're actually not allowed out of the building. We'll be scanning you. Just jokes. But just pretend that's the case and get your photo taken. Um, Do you ever ever give yourself a little pep talk you kind of say I can do this I can get there life can be a little bit tricky sometimes and sometimes it kind of feels like we can be that little engine that could there are times when we just have to say to ourselves I think I can I think I can I think I can to get up one of the hills that's come along our path in life But as Christians, we are just so privileged to have our hope in Christ. We know that God is for us. He loves us and he has a perfect plan for every single one of us. And when we truly know that God has perfect timing done in his way, the best possible way to glorify God right now is for his plans to be worked out in our life and we can trust that he is in control. God's perfect plan will always prevail. Tonight's uh, story is later on in Genesis. We're still in the life of Joseph. It's been a wild ride in his life. We see clearly that God sovereignly placed Joseph exactly where he wanted him at the exact right time all through his life. This this certainly doesn't mean that Joseph's life was easy. In fact, it's certainly filled with trials and suffering. However, in the end, God's perfect and glorious plan was brought to fruition uh, for the good of all of his people. You might be here today feeling that God has maybe forgotten you. Maybe you think of those times in your life when you thought God wasn't in control. Maybe that time is now. My prayer is that tonight's message will be an encouragement to you. So why don't you join me as I pray right now. Lord God, I just thank you. I thank you for this story. And Lord, I pray that as we look at the life of Joseph right now, God, that you would speak to your people gathered in this place tonight and that uh, as I speak, Lord... I just pray that what they will hear would be the words that you're needing them to hear. That encouragement, particularly for people who are doing it tough right now. I just pray, Lord, that we would all be encouraged by this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So, God overcomes hardship and persecution. But he doesn't only overcome, he actually works through the hardship and persecution to accomplish his purposes. And in tonight's message, there are three different sections of the story. We see that Joseph is remembered. We see that he is tested. And we have him then promoted. So let's just do a quick little recap, a little summary of what's happened so far in Joseph's life. So Joseph, as a young, young boy, had a dream. And he told his brothers this dream. And that made the brothers a little bit cranky with him. It wasn't favourable for them. So they were a little bit cranky. His father also gives him a very lavish coat and shows special favouritism to uh, Joseph. That makes him a bit cranky as well. And then, uh, as a result, his brothers plot to kill him. That's pretty... Awful, but they end up selling him as a slave when he's just 17 years old, and he ends up in Egypt working for a man called Potiphar. And as he worked for him, he actually uh, gained the trust of Potiphar and ended up being in charge of all of Potiphar's household. But then Potiphar's wife begins to make advances towards him, but he keeps his integrity and he rejects her. But because of this, she then falsely accuses him and he is wrongfully sent to prison." After some time in prison, though, the warden recognises his gifts and he ends up putting him in charge of all the other prisoners. Then the prison becomes blessed and orderly because God is with Joseph. He then makes friends with a couple of guys in prison who actually had dreams and he interprets these dreams successfully for these two prisoners. One is Pharaoh's baker and the other is Pharaoh's uh, cupbearer. And when the cupbearer is released from prison um, and reinstated in his position, he forgets uh, Joseph. And that happens... uh, He has forgotten him. Two years have passed by, and that's where we're going to pick up our story tonight. But before we do that, so that was just a really quick summary of all the sermons that we've had over the last several weeks, so there you go. Um, We're going to set the scene tonight. We have Joseph in prison right now. It's another day dawning. He's waking up in the four walls of the prison where he has been for two over two years. He's been there for several years and it's just another day. And so he's waking up, it's pretty grimy, it's pretty smelly. He, um, Doubtless he had brighter and bigger rooms but he still was in prison. He also would have had probably better food and he was not chained or beaten but he was still living a very discouraging life. So let's start off. Joseph is remembered chapter 41 of Genesis first one when two full years had passed now this was a fairly long time that cupbearer, he had left kind of promising yeah when I get reinstated to thank you for interpreting my dream for you I will speak up for you don't worry I've got this and then promptly forgets and Joseph is left there but then Pharaoh had a dream and he was standing by the Nile when... Now, that term when actually means behold, there's this urgency. It's, it's this, whoa, this big thing happens. Out of the river came seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. Hands up if you've ever driven past a paddock of cows and gone, oh, there's some sleek cows. <laughs> Not me either. So that, that term is actually probably more accurately uh, translated to say there were some good-looking cows. <laughs> good-looking cows. I love I love a nice cow. They're gorgeous. Who's been to the Yekha this week? <laughs> yes, excellent, excellent. Did you see some cows? Yep, were they parading them around the middle, all those good-looking cows? They've got blue ribbons on them, any of them? Had they been judged yet? At the Yeka, we had the best of the best cows in Queensland. These cows were the best of the best. So that's what we're looking at here. And then seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows were ugly and gaunt. They ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. And then Pharaoh woke up. Now, this is clearly a very strange dream. Cows kind of don't eat each other, and even if they did eat each other, you wouldn't have the thin cows eating the fat ones. It would kind of be the other way around in your mind. So this is weird. This is a very weird dream. But he fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. Wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. When Pharaoh woke up, it had been a dream. Now they're saying it had been a dream there because it just felt so real for Pharaoh in that moment. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians. So these dreams had a complete impact on Pharaoh. He was very, very freaked out. The people that he sourced to come were were sorcerers and they, they were wicked, but they were the spiritual leaders of the city. And the wise men of Egypt were the other ones that he gathered. Now, the wise men, these guys are the professors. These guys are the CEOs of the companies. These are the elite in society. So he has gathered all of these people. And Pharaoh told him his dream, but no one could interpret them. So even though... On the face of it, these dreams are fairly simple. And when we know, kind of now, uh, years later, we can kind of go, oh, it's pretty obvious what these dreams mean. But God hadn't allowed them to understand it. So, then the chief, chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. I'm reminded, hang on, whoops, I was... I was supposed to speak up for somebody. Pharaoh was once angry with his servant and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. And each of us had a dream that same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, and he told him we told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them for us. I was restored to my position and the other man was impaled. That was an unfortunate outcome for the other guy. But this dream had shaken Pharaoh so much that he's gathered all of these people, these important people around to interpret they'd done it before for him and then all of a sudden he's like stuck nobody can do it but he has just found out that a young foreigner who was a slave and currently in his prison would be the one to give him hope about this dream absolutely extraordinary let's move on to joseph being tested So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Just put yourself in Joseph's position. He's just languishing in this prison. And then there's a hammer on the door, and these very fancy-dressed guards come down, And they're like, quick, Pharaoh needs to see you today. Get yourself ready. So he's gone, oh my goodness, quickly washed, shaved, because that's important. You can imagine he probably let himself go a little bit in prison. So he's shaved. He's got some good clothes on that would be acceptable to come before Pharaoh. And then he's gone from this probably pretty smelly, uh, dusty, not pleasant place. He has come before Pharaoh, who is sitting on his ivory throne. There's probably lions at his feet. There's some slave girls there fanning him down. There is around all of the walls, there are soldiers standing there. This is a pretty impressive space for him to move into. Pharaoh said, oh, and also, by the way, the butler. He's standing there. I can just imagine that moment. That's probably a little bit awkward, isn't it? Like, hi, Pharaoh. I mean, hi, butler. Yep, it's Joseph. So they're all there. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one, no one here, can interpret it. But I have it. I have heard it said that you, um, of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph says this. He goes, "I cannot do it." Joseph replied to Pharaoh, "But God, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires." The phrase there, God will give him the answer, is more accurately, God will give him shalom. He will give him peace. In a city that had turned its back on God, this kind of peace was completely unknown. But Joseph is saying, without God, I can't do anything. He completely deflects the credit from himself. I find it remarkable that Joseph deflected the credit. It's kind of this common saying, credit, where credit's due. We all like when people get the credit that they do, especially if it's us that's due the credit and somebody else is getting credit for something that we've done. But I can honestly say that I kind of wouldn't blame Joseph if he took advantage of this situation. He'd been in prison. This is kind of his opportunity to, to uh, get out of prison. And also, this guy didn't, Pharaoh does not have a relationship with God at all. And he is pointing out, ah, oh, it's all about God here. So he's really putting his neck on the line. We can really see um, the difference between Joseph uh, as, a, as a young teenage boy, he's kind of gone bragging about the dream. Now he's going, it's all about God. I can't do it. God can. So regardless of what happens to him, Joseph had one thought, and that was to glorify God in this moment. He in this test of integrity, he outstandingly passes. So I'm just going to skip over uh, verses 17 to 24, because that's where Joseph then retells the dream. So he's talking about the, the cows and uh, the heads of grain. And then at the end of describing his, dream, his dreams, he says, I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. So this was pretty unusual because in the past they had been able to do that. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dream dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. So essentially the magicians couldn't interpret the dream because the dream is from God and only a person walking with God would be able to uh, interpret the dreams and the doubling of the dream was designed for special emphasis upon the certainty that God will bring this to pass. In our world right now we would be tempted to think that there is no plan in place But God is definitely at work. He still is in control. He not only uses the chaos, he works through the chaos, the messiness of every day. In Proverbs 19.21, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So, Joseph goes on to interpret the dream in verse 26. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God so the one true God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. So it's important to understand that all of this is actually caused by God. He's going, uh, he goes beyond just the district of Egypt with this. This is going to affect all of the surrounding lands as well. Verse 29, seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Then he says, and now, with urgency, he says, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. So that passage started off with, let Pharaoh see a wise and intelligent man. He is saying, Pharaoh... You need somebody else because you are not quite wise or intelligent enough for this task. That's a little bit, you know, out there, isn't it? Sorry, Pharaoh, you need somebody else. Uh, That was a risk. He's uh, certainly not pointing to himself as the person for the job. He's totally unselfish. He doesn't mention himself. But then Joseph is promoted. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. Ex-slave, Hebrew, ex-prisoner, you are more wise and intelligent than anybody else in this room, including me. So we'll appoint you. You shall be in charge of my palace. So you're going to come and just be in charge of my home. That's really personal. All of the things that are just close to me, my family, you're going to be in charge of all of that. And all my people are to submit to your orders. They are to give you honour. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So he's saying, my throne is my domain, but absolutely everything else will be under your authority. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. That ring is another symbol of authority. Anybody wearing that ring they are they have the exact amount of authority that pharaoh himself would have he dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck also a sign of authority he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him make way Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. So everybody needs to submit to you. With everything that we're about to face, we are going to put everything under your command so that we can get through this. Pharaoh recognises that without Joseph overseeing all of this plan, that as a nation, as a country, they would starve. So Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphnath Penna which means codebreaker. He knows the hidden language. He knows the, um, the language of God. And in, in doing that, in giving him a name, he's naturalised Joseph uh, into being an Egyptian. And he gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. What a beautiful provision from God to provide for him a wife, somebody who would be his confidant, somebody who could support him through it all. And we can assume that he has shared his faith with her and she also becomes a follower of God. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out, From Pharaoh's presence and travelled throughout Egypt during the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. So essentially, uh, there, there was an absolute abundance in the cities. And the people just would have squandered all of that abundance. They probably would have sold it to other countries. Who knows what they would have done. But this was really uh, and the, the only way to be intentional to keep it. And in each city, he put the food grown in the fields around it so that he didn't gather all of the grain and put it in one massive storehouse. He actually uh, constructed and made spaces for the grains in each of the cities. And each of the cities was then responsible for their own grain. Which means that if they didn't do that, if they didn't follow his instructions, if they didn't do it properly, they were the ones that would suffer when the time of famine happened. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping record because it was beyond measure. And before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph named his first son Manasseh. He said, "'It is because God has made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household.'" And the second son he named Ephraim and said it is because God has made him fruitful in the land of my suffering. So just like they are today, children were um, seen as a blessing and here God has given him two sons. So you can imagine that Joseph actually suffered quite a bit of trauma after all the things that his brothers did to him. Can you even imagine that amount of hate? And God had allowed him through all of that time that he was serving under Potiphar, all of that time in the prison, God had been restoring him to the point that he didn't remember he was able to move on in that situation. Joseph really could have wasted his time dwelling on the injustice that he had suffered. In spite of all he endured, he harboured no resentment. It's actually um, really amazing that every time he would have seen his son, he would have been reminded of God's kindness in helping him to forget. And then the second son, uh, he named him Ephraim, which means fruitful, which reminded him of God's faithfulness in the abundance that God had given him. So verse 53, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began just as Joseph had said. And there was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. And when all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Joseph's supernatural purpose was to be a blessing to the whole earth and when the famine had spread over the whole country Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere absolutely every Egyptian depended Upon Joseph for the survival throughout that time, so Joseph was certainly a great man, but his the, his greatness was related to his humility and his obedience to God. God had orchestrated the whole thing. God had made a promise to Abraham that he would care for his people, and in order to do this, he placed Joseph in all the right places. To make that happen. God was not only overcome God has not only overcome Joseph's situation, but I just want you to hear tonight that He overcomes our situation. He is the same God. He's with us today in exactly the same way. He does not waste what is happening in our lives. So just, let's just do a recap. Let's see what God uses in this story. So he needs Joseph to be in Egypt. So his brothers sold him into slavery. He needed to be in prison. So Potiphar needed to send him to prison. The cupbearer needed to be in prison to have Joseph hear his dream. So Pharaoh needed to be freaked out then by the dream. All of those things, time and time again, we see God in this story. The life of Joseph is also a story to illustrate the providential dealings of God in the lives of his own and how we should view the circumstances in our lives. So from the human side, Joseph suffered much injustice at the hands of his brothers and he was framed by Potiphar and he was forgotten by the butler. All these things, injustices in his life. Yet, from the divine side, these events were permitted for the purpose of training and preparing Joseph for the Lord's work. And if we look at life from a human viewpoint, we will become irritated, we can become frustrated. But if we take a divine viewpoint, we will see that God is in everything and realise that in all things, he is working for our good. Joseph began his rule at the age of 30. God had prepared him for 13 years for this position. And he came to power as a relatively young man. And he went on to rule for another 80 years until his death when he was 110. That's phenomenal, isn't it? Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. All of the pieces that come together in this puzzle. Isn't God's timing absolutely perfect? God is on schedule. He never runs ahead of time. He never lags behind. He is exactly on time. And the two years that Joseph spent just waiting were neither eventful nor exciting. And the Bible does not try to glorify these two years. It was a matter of waiting, waiting, waiting. And this was time to wait for God's time, to wait for his way. In Isaiah 30, 18, it says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. You see, in the wait, we are strengthened. We are being established. We are being refined. Joseph was being shaped for greatness But he has to wait on God's time. Perhaps today you might be saying, when will God's promises for my life be fulfilled? When will the answers that I'm seeking come? Let me tell you today that God is on schedule for his timing is always perfect. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for this story in the Bible, this story that just shows us how perfectly timed your actions are, your plans are. Lord God, I pray that this encourages our hearts. For those here tonight who are waiting and waiting and waiting, Lord God, I just pray that you would encourage them, Lord. I pray, God, that uh, we would know that you are always in control. We would find great comfort from that. We thank you for it, Lord. Lord, I just thank you that as we look at Joseph's story, we see that time and time and time again, you are with him just as you are with us. Would we remember that throughout our week? Would we remember that into the future when things do seem a bit rocky, a bit rough? Would we be reminded of this story and know that all things happen for your purposes? In Jesus' name, amen. So if you would like prayer tonight...